Blog Talk Radio. Everybody. This is the Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, pop art painter Jamie Rocks, and this is the big show. You found it. I sure am glad you did. Hey, I am super, super duper excited today. We have this one of the most interesting uh, guests that we've had on in a long time. I uh, And I owe it all to my lovely wife, Danny, and uh, my sister-in-law, Allie. Um, they, uh, it, it's an interesting story. They, they, well, you know, I don't know. Interesting. But, it's unique and different. They met our guest today while he was walking his dog in our neighborhood, uh, his neighborhood and our neighborhood, and uh, got to, uh, you know, talking and everything. And um, next thing you know, now I had followed him on uh, social media, I think on Instagram or Facebook or some such or both. And um, so I was aware of his, his book, but I honestly thought he was based out in L.A. And uh, for, I don't know why, but for some reason, that's what I thought. I didn't know he was a couple blocks away, uh, and it's amazing. It's amazing. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome the man. He's a uh, fantastic author and speaker. He's got uh, a fantastic book, uh, What 80s Pop Culture Teaches Us About Today's Workplace, and um, it's just very – he's a cool guy, man. And here he is, Mr. Chris Clues. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, Jamie. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I know we were supposed to do this show before, and um, I, oh, I don't know. We we've got crazy. I think the the power went out or something. Our neighbors were trying to trim a tree, and we didn't do a good job with it, knocked the power line down. Um, that happens about well, once I'm a month on our block. I don't know how it is on your side. Huh? Uh, it's okay on my side. I you know I I think I I, I, I do want to thank you for the megaphone first of all. Uh, I, I tell people this often that, you know, the independent podcasters and independent, independent radio people, the work that you do to um, give myself and others who are independent as well a voice, uh, I really, really appreciate it because it's super easy to be a guest. It's, you know, what you do in the background to produce a show like this. Uh, uh, I know that, it's, <laughs> that there's a lot of work that goes into it, and I truly appreciate it. Well, yeah, man. No, you know, it, it keeps me on. It keeps me out of the bar, you know. Um, no, I'm I, <laughs> half kidding there. Uh, yeah. You know, I started doing this a well, couple years ago, and I didn't plan. I planned on maybe doing like 15 of these shows, and a friend of mine who's in Trustral Radio, um, or was at the time, talked me into it. And, um, you know, I, I started doing them, and uh, next thing you know, here we are. This is episode 1,180. <laughs> so, you know, I just really kept at it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it just that's keeps awesome. going. Um, yeah, I can't complain. That's very you know, cool. Yeah, complain. that's great. Well, that's appropriate. So uh, right? It gets a lot about easier. 80s pop culture. We're going to talk about 80s pop yeah. culture, so it's appropriate that I'm uh, 1,180. This episode, so See? we're talking about the. 80s. See, there you go. We yeah. planned that. We planned. No, we, we absolutely <laughs> didn't. Leave. We're, we're not that sophisticated. Um, but that is a cool uh, coincidence, man. That is a cool coincidence. Now, 
you, uh, we were talking before, uh, off mic before the show started, you uh, grew up up north, um, northeast, and then relocated down here to Florida. I'm not from Florida either. I grew up in Metro Detroit, um, school in Boston, and lived out on the West Coast for a long time. Then came, I came down here to visit a friend, met a girl, and, you know, here I am. Um, it's a sad tale, ladies and gentlemen, one as old as time. Uh, but that's kind of what happened. <laughs> Um, you came down here for school? No, I came down here on a whim, actually. I came down here after school. Uh, I just, ah. I didn't, honestly, I didn't want to be born, live, and die in the same town. I mean, I just, I really wanted to see something else. And what better place than right. Florida? I was, um, you know, deciding between Florida and California, and I opted for Florida. I, I, a 1993, I had uh, $200 burning a hole in my pocket and, uh, I drove <laughs> to Florida with no real <laughs> plan. I crashed on a buddy's couch and, um, got a job as a bellman. I was bouncing at bars in downtown Orlando. I got a job at, at Disney as a bellman and then just kind of went from there. I got my first marketing gig at Planet Hollywood nice. back in the mid nineties. And yeah. So you've you've done it all from from the ground, uh, you know, from uh, entry level up to uh, you know having an office and all that, having to wear a tie and stuff. Although I I don't know if ties are common in Florida, I have no idea. Uh, but it's probably golf shirts and khakis, I'm imagining. Um, yeah, I had to wear a tie when I was held for different jobs. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you yeah, it is, it is, so it is I was watching your. Well, yeah, you know, I was watching your speaker reel, uh, which is, those are awesome, by the way. I love the intro on them with the uh, the VHS tape. I'm like, that's a perfect intro if I've ever seen one. And um, there was somewhat, you were on a morning show somewhere or something, and, and you were talking about uh, this this unique experience you had. When you started writing, you decided to write this. Now, were you, were you doing speaking prior to the book, or did the book... How did, what's the timeline there? The book came first. The, the first book of the two uh, mm. actually came first. And it was what prompted me to – well, I mean, just the, the background, basically. I was uh, in marketing for 20-plus years. Uh, 2017, 18, I was in a job that wasn't just – it wasn't really working out for me. We, we've all been there. I mean, we've all been in a job. We're just like, oh, oh yeah. that's just not what I want to do. So I came home and I was having a self-pity party of one on my couch and I was watching The Breakfast Club for around 150th time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Bender said, screws fall out all the time. The world's an imperfect place. And I never really thought about that line before. It wasn't a line that I paid much attention to in the movie. But at this moment in my life, my screws had fallen out. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. Do I just take these screws and put them back in the way they were and just keep on going down this path? Uh, As Henry David Thoreau said in the 1830s, one of the original pop culture icons said that the mass of men leads lives of quiet desperation. Uh, I was leading a life of quiet Mm. desperation. I was content with what I did, but I didn't love it. Right, comfortable. um, Yeah, comfortable. And I ultimately wanted something else. Very oh, yeah. dangerous, yeah, That's... like Indiana Jones, dangerous quicksand. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Real um, easy so, to yeah. get get in that. Oh man, oh, yeah. totally. But you took a chance. And a lot of you, people. You wrote. Uh... Yeah. So I. So I. Oh, go ahead. I basically. So I, I. I. I put the screws. I got a whole new set of screws, proverbially, and I. I, I built a whole new door and a whole new door frame, and I walked out to a brand new journey, which is what I'm doing today. And there was another quote from an 80s movie, The Outsiders, where Johnny Cage said, mm-hmm. you still have a lot of time to make yourself be what you want. And at 47 years mm. old, I was starting my entrepreneur journey, not 27, not 37, 47. But you still have a lot of time to make yourself be what you want, no matter what you're doing, and no matter what your age. Absolutely. And so I took that to heart. Absolutely. Well, the the great thing about starting new ventures, well, look, there's there's there's, you know, that's a double edged sword. The scary thing is, is it's new, <laughs> you know. And there's there's the uh, the tech side of it, you know. Like, like I find it hard keeping up with uh, social. You know, my wife was talking the other day about, you know, she's like, well, you know, WhatsApp. I'm like, what is a WhatsApp? I have no idea. You know, I I don't follow this stuff enough to know this stuff. Um, but the, the good thing is, is your learning curve, you know things can work out. Where when you're real young, oh, man, you don't know that, you know? And uh, did you find it very intimidating starting this at, at 47? Uh, yes and no. I think part of it, yeah, there's always the fear. Um, and, and, and that's, it's a healthy mm-hmm. fear that you have. Uh, but I, I knew, so when I came up with this idea, I actually wrote an article for LinkedIn on LinkedIn, I should say, that said, you know, basically what the mm-hmm. breakfast club teaches us about problem solving. And I woke up the next day to find that hundreds of people from around the world had liked it and were commenting on wow. it. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. I never I didn't expect this. This was my therapy to kind of get it out of me. And I wrote another one on Ferris Bueller and Work-Life Balance, and people responded, and suddenly I felt like I had something. So I I, I wrote the book. I self-published it with a friend who's a graphic designer. He had never done anything like that Mm -hmm. either. And together we figured out how to do this. So uh, once I got the first book out there, it's 80 pages, I tell people, look, if you're a bathroom reader, it's four trips to the bathroom and you're done. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't an overly complicated <laughs> book. It's, you know, in 80 terms, it would have sat on the shelf in Spencer's gifts. Um, and so once I got it out there, I wanted to do more and I built a website, oh, wow. positioned myself as a speaker. I had been on stage as a kid doing some acting, but you know, I hadn't done speaking, professional speaking, but I figured right. I could pull it off. And, um, uh, people started hiring me as a speaker, and it started to go well. So I wrote the second book with a, the help of a publisher, a small publisher, independent as well. And that book is 220 pages. It's much deeper. The lessons are much deeper. It's a much better book in, in the series. And then I had a friend who was a speaking agent, and she said, I see what you're doing. You know, If you're really serious about this and you want to do it 100%, I will be behind you, but you got to be willing to go in 100%. You can't have a full-time job and try to do this. And that was when I had right. to make that decision when you talk about the fear of, okay, I'm going to step out on this ledge and I'm going to go for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the other, the bad thing at being the age we are is, and, and this is something I don't think young people really 
maybe they have some some vague notion of it, but is uh, the nut we have to crack. <laughs> you know, there's bills due every month. It never stops. And, yeah, you know, you try these new ventures and stuff like that. You're like, I like driving a car. I like having a roof. You know, eating groceries is a good thing, um, you know, any night of the week. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, and, yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's, and, and then throw on top of that, you know, I can hear the youngsters going, okay, man, whatever you say. Well, you know, throw that on. We're at that age where the uh, the check engine light has come on, but you actually have to put the car in, <laughs> you know, with our help. Um, things start happening. <laughs> And, you know, it's uh, it's easy. You know, we talked about quicksand, the quicksand of security, which is sounds great. Sounds great in the esoteric, but the reality is, is it creatively, man, that can just kill you, you know? I know I see people every day, you know, that are just mindlessly trudging along. And, um, and I'm not saying anybody's path is bad. But, you know, I, I hope everybody finds the correct path, but it sounds like you have. And that's exciting to me. That's very, and it's, it's fun and it's cool. And it's, it's unique. It's unique. No, well, I, I you obviously that. I mean, were I, a, uh... Oh, finish nope, your thought, ahead. man. Finish your thought. I was going to oh, tell no, you, I know, you talked about it's... the fear, right? No. Mm-hmm. I was talking about, you were talking about the fear and, uh, so, you know, there's a there's a chapter in my book on, on the movie Better Off Dead, which is a classic mm. 80s movie with John Cusack. Yes. And actually, Monique, who, right. Diane Franklin, who played Monique in Better Off Dead, wrote the foreword for my second book, which is a really cool moment for me. There was a great line in that movie about risk, about taking chances. And it was Charles DeMar, right, his best friend, who said – you know, when he was talking about the K-12, which was the big mountain that he was going to try to ski down, and um, he had never done it before, and he wasn't sure how to approach it. Right. And so Charles DeMar says, go that way really fast. If something gets in your way, turn. And that's <laughs> really what risk is about. You've got to just kind of drop in and then, you know, make the turns as necessary. Uh, but if you never drop in, you'll never find out. No, no. And I, I don't want to be one of these people, um, you know, and I, I, I personally have never known anyone who had a bunch of regrets at the, the end of their run, at the end of their, their ski slope there um, uh, that, that I knew about, at least. Um, I'm sure I've known people that did, but uh, I don't want to be that way. You know, I'd rather try something, um, you know, it'd be like Thomas Edison. It's like, well, I know that doesn't work, <laughs> you know, but at least I tried it, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's weird. It's weird. It's, uh, it's cool though, that you're in a position now where you're selling these books and whatnot. People are reading these books and you're affecting people's lives. How cool is that? It's, it's a little surreal. I, I, I think when you first put a book on the market and you've never really done it before and, you know, the self-publishing is the great equalizer for all of us these days where, you know, you had the top five or six publishing companies and they're not going to give you the time of day unless you have a name or a family name or something, mm. you know, it's very difficult to, to break in. Self-publishing is the great equalizer. Anybody can publish a book now and it's awesome. The first time you realize that somebody beyond your family and friends is actually buying something that you created 
it's it's a pretty awesome feeling. And I think you probably know this with your artwork, right? I mean, when somebody oh, yeah. wants to buy oh, yeah. something that you created, there's no better feeling in the world. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're right. I, it is one thing for people to say, oh, I, I did what you're doing. That's great. I love it, you know. When somebody's like, I've worked at a job <laughs> – I've dealt with customers or bosses or whatever. And the, the things I got from that, doing that experience, I'm willing to trade for what it is you're doing. Then you know somebody's really into it. <laughs> you know, they really are into it. And, uh, yeah, there's no better feeling. There, there's no – it's addictive. You have to do it more, you know. Uh, I imagine that, you know, you, you probably look – were you you said you had acted as a kid with with the public speaking. Had you done other than like work meetings and presentations and whatnot that type of uh, work before? You know, speaking in front of these people and you know uh, all of that. Never, never. I mean, I had hired speakers, but I had oh. never been a a public speaker in the sense that I do it today. I think it comes down to, you know, if you know your content, if you know what you're talking about and you love it, you want to talk about it. You want to share it. And uh, right. there's always that moment when you're about to get on stage where your heart is pounding through your chest, kind of like the old cartoons where the heart, their heart is like coming out through their chest and they're trying to grab it and put it back in. You, you get that feeling, uh, but you push through it. And I think there's a, Right. I, I, you know, I, I talk to people about getting on stage and how everyone has, I think you have to be confident in yourself and what you do, but mm -hmm. there is this imposter syndrome that we talk about these days and it's a very real thing, but I think it comes down to um, when you are, you can be confident in yourself and still feel like you're a little bit of an imposter uh, when somebody hires mm, you, for mm -hmm. my, my, my example is when they hired me to speak at a conference, it's very right. surreal and it's awesome. And it's a great feeling to know that somebody wants to hear what you have to say. Uh, Trading Places, a great movie um, with, you know, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy plays Billy Ray oh, Valentine. Yeah. And there's, there's a moment in the movie where uh, he is actually going to be doing the commodities trading for the first time. And he's all dressed up and ready to go. And he's, He's very nervous, and he says mm -hmm. to uh, the butler, he says to the butler, uh, you know, what if I'm, what if I'm not, you know, what if I'm not good enough? What if I can't do the job? Something that, like something like that. What if I'm not can't do the job? What if I'm not good enough? And the butler says, uh, you know, sir, just be yourself, sir. They can't take that away from you. And it turns out that he was mm. actually very good at this job. Right. He didn't know it <laughs> at the time. But he was very good at it. And, and what it taught us, what, what that taught us really was that confident people question themselves and arrogant people question others. And I, I think that's really that's important very because true. there's a huge difference between the both, between the two. Oh, absolutely. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www 
dot J-A-M-I-E-R-O-X-X dot U-S. This is a message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Older adults and people of any age who have serious underlying medical conditions are at higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19. If you are at higher risk, you should stay home as much as possible and avoid close contact with people who are sick to protect yourself. Call your doctor if you have concerns about COVID-19 and your medical condition or if you get sick. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store, it's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Babe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrate, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember... T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, the quotable Edison, quotable Henry Ford, uh, quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and of course the quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very very cool, um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com. M I C H E L E A. L-B-I-O-N.com. MichelleAubion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out, folks. Absolutely. I, I hear what you're saying, man. I have probably done upwards to a thousand art shows over the last 20 years, you know? To this day, my big fear is tomatoes. For some reason, I don't know, I saw it in a cartoon or a movie or something, you know, I'm, I'm going to... My big fear is when I have an art show and people are gonna, somebody's going to pull out the tomatoes and start throwing them. <laughs> you know, seriously. Even though it's never <laughs> yeah, happened. It's never come close <laughs> to happening, knock on wood. Um, but, yeah, I, I get it, man. I, I've been there. 
cool thing. The interesting thing about what you're doing, though, with your work, with speaking and stuff, is is it seems to me, you know, maybe I'm, I'm off on this, uh, but it seems to me not only do you have to be knowledgeable, fortunately, you, you're very charismatic, you know, and um, but you have to be entertaining as well, you know. Uh, nobody wants, uh, you know, in Fairless Bueller, uh, I forget his name, um, you know, Bueller, Bueller, uh, I forget the actor's <laughs> name, I can't think of glasses. Yeah, yeah Ben Stein. Ben you don't want to be dull Stein, like yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got to, you're up there. They, they, they've written a check. <laughs> you know? um, that money's probably already spent. No, I'm not kidding. But, uh, you know, but you're, you're up there. You, you have to entertain these guys and gals and, uh, and be knowledgeable. And, uh, you know, so they'll get, give you, bring you back and stuff. That's got to be a little bit of pressure, man. I would think. I would think. I, maybe uh, for sure. And you you mentioned, uh, you know, the spending the money, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a couple lessons from Clark Griswold in Christmas vacation, but one of them is don't spend your, 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 your bonus check or don't spend your check before you have it. Right. Uh, you know, he, he learned that the hard way. <laughs> it is. That's a lesson I've had to teach my wife. Um, I'm like, ah, just because the painting sold, let's wait till that clears in the bank. <laughs> and even then. Exactly. See, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's something. Well, you know, you know if you if you if you care about what you do and you care about the people hmm. that partner with you or hire you, which I hundred hundred fifty percent do, then there's always going to be that you know getting on stage and and saying you know I need to hit a home run every single time. It's right. really important to do that, uh, and I. And I, I love my content so much and what I talk about that I don't want to say that it's easy for me, but certainly getting on that stage and talking about 80s pop culture and what it can teach us, it's so much fun for me that hopefully it comes through in my delivery for everyone else. And I, I start every presentation with the idea of people asking, how does one become an 80s pop culture person, expert, guru, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and I, I, I say, you know, self-deprecating humor is the best humor. So I kind of say, you got to live through the decade to really be an 80s pop culture mm-hmm. expert. And that means awkward family photos. And I show photos, really awkward photos of me from the 80s, because there are plenty of them. And that kind of like breaks the ice. People start laughing. They realize I'm relatable. I'm just a big knucklehead. I'm a big goofball that came up with, a, with an idea uh, and I went for it, but ultimately, you know, when I come off stage, I'm just a big knucklehead, really, and that's that's perfectly right. fine. Well, you know what's great, and in, in what's straight, I had a guest on the show about a month or maybe two months ago. Young gal, young gal, uh, seventeen, lived in Nashville, and she's a uh, a, a a singer songwriter, does kind of like pop punk type music, uh, but she makes the majority of her money being a hired gun. Uh, other people that are playing, they, they need a bass player or something, they call her. They need a drummer, they call her. She fills in a lot, and that's how she makes it. And, and she's done it, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times. And I'd asked her. Now, again, this gal is 17 years old, you know. And uh, so I, I was very surprised um, at her answer. I, I said, how do you, you know, what's one of the uh, – how does this keep happening? You know, obviously people are digging your talent and everything. But I know that there's more to it than just uh, talent and skill. And she goes, the big thing, she goes, that nobody will teach you anywhere. You have to learn is you have to be a good hang. 
nobody likes to hang out with somebody that's no fun, you know, that's a grump. <laughs> and Chris, you definitely come off as a good hang, you know what I mean? Like like somebody that's that's cool to be around, you know? And uh well, I, I appreciate think that's that. Awesome. My, my friends may think differently and my sister may think may tell you differently, but yeah, I appreciate that. So it's good that I come off that way. <laughs> We were talking before uh, the show about different areas uh, we've lived and whatnot, and, and you had mentioned you had uh, spent some time in Baltimore, and it reminded me, whenever anybody mentions Baltimore to me, I, I have this, this memory flashback. Um, I was 12 years old. I had went with a friend. Uh, I grew up in Metro Detroit, but my friend's uh, father was in the service, and they were going on a big two-week family vacation, and they brought me along. And and it was pretty cool. One of the places we went was Baltimore, Maryland. And we were downtown Baltimore where went to the big aquarium and they have those ships and everything down there. And I'll never forget, Chris, I'll never forget it. This guy, he was a punk rocker. It was like the first punk rocker I had ever seen, like like real punk, not that wasn't on TV or something or in a movie. And this, this guy walks and he's got two girls with him. Now, again, I'm 12 years old and I was like, that's an option. I had no idea, you know. I'm, I'm so impressed. And he had a big mohawk. He looked like you remember when Ferris was in the shower and he did that mohawk. This that's what this guy's hair looked like, but he wasn't in the shower. Um, <laughs> and I was just sitting there like like amazed. And he looked at me, and I said, "How?" Is <laughs> all I said, you know. And he goes, "It's always the hair, kid. The hair is the most important." And then he stumbled away with these two gals. <laughs> You know, off into the world. And I, I immediately went home after this vacation and, and, and got a spiked haircut. It was it changed everything for me. <laughs> that was my well, I wish, pivotal I wish point I in my life. Because I, had a, I wish I would have met that guy because I had a rat tail at some point, and that was really awful. Oh, they, so. <laughs> that was the style, though. <laughs> You know, it's crazy, though, because I, I was thinking about that when you were, I was watching your, your speaker video, which we have posted, folks, and you were, in it, you were showing some of these photos and whatnot. There's a little, little part of that where you were uh, speaking somewhere and showing these. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, man, we did dress pretty. I mean, I had like a big gold lame suit because Bowie wore one in a video or something, you know. Ter- it looked like a big gold baked potato. It was terrible. But I thought it was cool. To t- and so did everybody else. Um, you know, we didn't even realize how weird we looked. But we really, even compared to the kids today and stuff, right? like the fashion. Maybe it's weird, too. I don't know. We did pull up our pants. Well, say that. well I mean, I think, I think you look at 80s pop culture and so much of it is still having a huge influence. Uh we're we're now That's almost true. 42 years away from 1980. 42 years away from 1980, which is terrifying. But the, the nostalgia yeah, is only stronger for the 80s when it comes to pop culture. Like the the movies and the music and the television, all of this pop culture influence. The one area that you don't see is fashion, and that's a very good thing. Uh, mm. You know, I, you don't want parachute <laughs> pants and members only jackets coming back. No. No, no, not uh, at all. Oh man! But we, 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 we oh, you know, yeah. we did, we did, you know, even though Vans officially launched in 1966, we did actually really create the 
you know, what the Vans brand is today really came out of the 80s. Oh, yeah. So we can take credit for that, at least. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's so funny, man. I In the 80s, I was one of those kids. I listened to a lot of Duran Duran. I reeked of clove cigarettes and Dracar Noir and, and Rave Hairspray. And um, it was uh, – you know, it was funny, My a couple Christmases ago, my wife's like, I'm going to buy you some cologne for Christmas. You know, what do you like? And I'm like, Dracar Noir, that's that's my, my jam right there. You know, and she's like, Sweetie, nobody wants oh, that. I don't even know if they make that anymore. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Give me, you're the expert. Tell me what you think. But I went there. The black you know, bottle. I, the I, black Dracar Noir bottle. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was cool. I know it man. well. Uh, I know it well. A lot so, of that along with uh, clean water. <laughs> I think that was my other one. Yeah. Oh, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, folks, hey, we're getting far afield here, but I want to mention before I forget, um, on our show page and on my website and whatnot, we all have links to, and it's very easy to get to. You just go to chrisclues.com, C-H-R-I-S-C-L-E-W-S.com, chrisclues.com. And we also have links to all of Chris's um uh, from his link to all the social media and everything right there. Now, when we finish up the show and we convert it to a podcast, that goes out on, you know, it gets blasted out everywhere, all the podcasting platforms everywhere. So if you're in the future right now, hello from the past, um, thanks for listening, uh, you'll see those links with the podcast. If you're listening to this on Spotify or something, you can click on any of those links. And I always tell people, I don't care what you, what you like or whatnot, but if you dig somebody um, and you're checking them out online, like and share their pages. That helps with that algorithm that we all hear about and everything. And it just, chances are your friends are going to like what you like because, you know, your friends, common interests and whatnot. But it does help a lot. And um, now, Chris, do you have, can they contact you through your website if, I don't know, you know, I don't know how many CEOs of Fortune 500 companies are listening to the podcast, but there might be one. You never know. And they want to hire you for speaking, or do they need to go through an agent, or is there a link on your website or some such? Yeah, so I have a form on my website. It also has my email address, my phone number, um, as well as my, awesome. my my speaking manager, my business partner, her information as well. So you can reach out through uh, the website and you know, a lot of the speaking gigs I get as well are, you know, not always the, the large corporations. So um, I'm really available for a lot of different organizations, and I do a lot in South Florida as well. So um, definitely nice. open to having any kind of conversation about speaking, and uh, particularly if you're looking for any kind of uh, workplace culture, you know, if you have any kind of workplace culture themes with your organization or with your event, uh, I've talked talk about everything from leadership to inclusion inside of the uh, workplace and uh, everything in between, as well as um, life lessons from 80s pop culture also. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Now, the books, you like you mentioned, you have two books. Uh, book number two is the, the in-depth book. Um, uh, book number one is, is a, a little, not as big as you were saying, uh, but still lot, lots of uh, valuable information. Um they can be purchased there out everywhere or is the best place to go through your website to get them? So, so the books uh, through Amazon right now would be the hard copies and also Kindle versions, but I have digital versions across 
the web. So you can access the digital versions on, I, I believe, on Barnes and Noble, maybe Google Play, amongst other um, digital uh, platforms, digital book and digital reading platforms, and then the hard copy through uh, Amazon for now. Although I am currently working on my third book. I just finished up the first chapter, oh. which is Vision Quest, the movie Vision Quest, and what it can teach us about life. Uh, I'm working on the nice. second chapter, which is the movie Can't Buy Me Love, and what it can teach us. Nice. Um, that book, I hope, will be in more bookstores. It's a, I'll tell you a quick little story. It's a very, it's so, it's easy to self-publish now, but it's very difficult to get on the bookshelves at Barnes and Noble, which is the big bookstore right. now. So many of them have shut down. And the cool thing is independent bookstores are making a big comeback, which is awesome. Um, but uh, Barnes & Noble is still the flagship in terms of getting your books on the shelves of a brick-and-mortar store. And uh, I tried unsuccessfully to get their attention, and so I decided to go out of bat, at it from a different route. And I took mm. two of my books, and I wrote a note inside of the books that basically said to the person who's picked up this book, uh, you know, Barnes, it's very difficult to get on the shelves in Barnes and Noble uh, as an independent author. And if you think, if you like this book and you think it's an interesting one, the content's cool, do me a favor and just take a picture of yourself with the book, tag Barnes and Noble on their social media and let them know it should be in their stores. And I took these books to nice. my local Barnes and Noble in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> and I found two girls in this aisle that I was in and I asked them to record me putting these books on the shelf and telling you, telling the audience exactly what I'm telling you right now. And they filmed it. They loved mm -hmm. it. It was like a minute long. And I put those books on the shelf. I called it reverse shoplifting uh, because it's not illegal to take your product and put it on someone's shelf. I mean, you're putting, you're giving it for free and I right. put it on the shelves and I left it. And I, and I sent this video out and, you know, in the hopes I could get the attention of Barnes and Noble and, Six months later, uh, a couple of friends of mine actually sent me pictures of them with the books at Barnes & Noble. So the books were still there on the shelf, which means that the manager of the store has been leaving them there because they know their inventory. They know what books are supposed to be there. Right. At least maybe they right. opened it and thought it was a cool idea and left them on the shelf. So there you go. That's how you get your books I, at Barnes & Noble. Uh. I think that's a fantastic idea. I've seen that video, and when I saw it, I, I it's guerrilla guerrilla marketing. I love it, and it's so unique, and and just so cool. You know what a concept, what a what a great. It, it really goes to show how your mind works a little bit, and it's fascinating. You know who would think to do that? And uh, that's cool, man. That is very cool. Well, I personally am going to be buying several people I know. Uh, I have, I'm at that age in life where I have certain family members and whatnot that are just a real pain in the neck to buy gifts for at, at Christmas and, and birthdays and whatnot because, you know, they're, they're living life. They, they're doing well, and, and anything they want, they buy themselves. You know, they, they just go out and buy it. And so it's very hard, difficult to shop for them. But – they happen to be big 80s people, you know, like us all. And uh, I think you're, this is just a great gift, you know, a great gift. Um, I like that. I like giving the people books and stuff because it gets them thinking, you know. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a cool thing. 
And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.love S-H-A-C-K-A-P-O-T-H-E-C-A-R-Y.com, as well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime. And treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Hey there, my name is Paige Beatty, and I am the founder of Hats On and Hats Off, which are two separate companies but aligned by the same philosophy of raising cancer awareness and forming smiles. Hats On is a for-profit corporation that sells cancer-specific hats to be proudly worn by you in hopes of raising awareness. A percentage of the proceeds will be donated to Hats Off, which is a non-profit corporation, raising money to buy wigs for cancer patients who can't afford them. That's where we're forming smiles. I believe cancer has touched almost everyone's lives in one way or another. A friend, a family member, a friend of a friend. So please... Visit our website, www.hatsonhatsoff.com, to learn how you can help raise awareness and form smiles. Rocks Gear, the online web shop of high-end luxury merchandise and products, all featuring original pop art paintings. From La Holla to Miami to London, 
www.merch.jamierocks.us. I imagine you sell books all over the world, though. Really? Uh, it's interesting. I mean, and first of all, I appreciate that. It means a lot to me that you would uh, that you would consider my my book as a gift for somebody for the holidays or any time for that matter. So um, that means a lot to me. And I and I um, yeah. I mean, every so often, I it's interesting to see the reports and where I sell books. You know, here and there, I'll sell books in the UK, Australia, Japan. It's pretty wild to see mm. uh, where the books are actually being purchased. Uh, I think 80s pop culture resonates across the globe. Uh, I talk about, you know, 80s pop culture. Why 80s pop culture? Why? why it, what is it about 80s pop culture that it just keeps coming back? And I think it's because the 80s, I describe 80s pop culture as kind of like a glitter bomb that somebody threw against the wall, and it exploded with all of these, like, really cool <laughs> colors. And that was all the different genres music and movies and everything. There was a lot of experimentation going on. And the pop culture was being created for us, the people. It wasn't being mm. manufactured somewhere, and then we were hammered over the head with it until we like it because they're spending millions of dollars before it even hits the market. So they have to make their money back. Right. Like, we're going to hammer you over the head until you like this. They were actually creating stuff and thinking, well, I don't know, let's see if the people like it. And then if we liked it, they made more of it. And I think that's part of what the allure of 80s pop culture is, is that it, in a lot of ways it was very raw. And we did mm. get introduced to a lot of new genres or genres that had been kind of out there were really built on in the 80s. So for movies, for example, uh, sure, you had romantic comedies. Even in the 50s, you had movies like Some Like It Hot. But the 80s really was... Um, where the rom-com just exploded. They were everywhere. The coming-of-age oh, movies, absolutely. the high school coming-of-age movies were everywhere. In music, you know, music you have, like, like, take rap, for example. You had the Sugar Hill Gang, you know, in the late 70s. But then, man, the five or six different genres that splintered off of rap in the 80s that what? didn't even exist oh, yeah. before the 80s. Like, no. I mean, that's the kind of and thing you that happened. It now, all it's... this experimentation. It's amazing. Absolutely. And I think it was really the last, maybe, well, maybe the 90s. I, I, I don't want to pigeonhole all musicians into saying, well, you know, everybody was actually talented and they didn't use plugins and patches and um, auto tune and all this and that. Um, but there was a lot of, you know, I don't know what happened to the saxophone. That was everywhere. And then suddenly it was just gone. Um, you never hear it in a pop song now. But it was in every pop song there for a while. Um, it was it was it was crazy. I thought about you, Chris, the other day. We went up uh, this past weekend to Disney World. You know, living in Florida, my wife's from Florida. She worships at the Temple of Disney, and every so often we go up to um, up to Disney World for a couple of days, get away, you know. And uh, so we were up there, and she wanted to go after we had done our Disney stuff on before we came home. She's like, "Hey, there's this." She's into crystals and all this kind of stuff. And uh, like that, she said, there's a, a crystal shop I want to stop at in Winter Haven. I'd never been to Winter Haven, never even heard of it. You know, but I'm, I'm a good husband. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that uh, sounds great. And uh, frankly, I would have rather do that than spend another day at the Magic Kingdom or something. But that's just me. Anyway, I was kind of Disneyed out at that point. Um, so we go to this fancy yeah. crystal place. And she's in there talking crystal, you know, oh, everything ends in an ite, you know, and it's just, I'm like, oh, my gosh. 
But there was a little park bench out in front of the crystal shop. So I said, I'm going to go out there. And a bunch of old men were sitting on these park benches. I said, I'm going to go out and join my people out there and sit on the park bench while you talk crystal. And she's like, okay, that's great. So I went out there, and I'm looking around, and this was a fancy place. There, there was, you know, real high-end shops. And I look across the street, and there was an art gallery. And I'm like, oh, you know, that piqued my interest at first. And then I'm, I'm like, well, and it, not just at first, but it piqued my interest. So I'm kind of looking, and I'm looking in their big windows to, uh, you know, see what they've got, what, the, what they're trying to sell. And right in the front was a big sculpture of a Rubik's Cube, like on an angle, you know. And uh, I don't know who would buy that for their house. I'm sure somebody will, though. They, I'm, and I'm sure it wasn't, you know, a couple thousand dollars at least, minimum. And I, But I thought of you. I'm like, well, there you go, man. Even in the art world today, 80s nostalgia, you know. Somebody's going to buy that big Rubik's Cube and be very happy with it. And that's awesome. And here you are. You know, you're, you're singing this from the rooftops already, you know, that um, – and it's also cool that everybody that likes these movies and grew up in this, this decade are in a position to learn these lessons. But it's cool that nobody else has thought about this before you did, you know, that, that kind of picked up on that. Because there are a lot of cool lessons in these, uh, these films and music and whatnot. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, Do you ever I'm thankful think to yourself, that. Of I, I'm, de- I'm definitely thankful for that, that no one else came up with it. But I... You know, um, I, I say that, that the, the, the best lessons in life in the workplace come from the most unexpected of places. You know, we're not kind of mm. expecting to learn, I think, is when we do the best. And mm. it's because typically if we learn something where we didn't expect it, it resonates and we, and we, we, we find a spot in our, in our mind for it because we can tie it back to something that, we didn't anticipate. I mean, it's one thing to learn out of a book in a classroom. It's a different thing to learn about what Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemount High can teach us about right. the workplace. Just, yeah. Um, yeah. just exactly. not, not a guy you would expect to teach us, but, you know, Spicoli and Mr. Hand had a really interesting relationship. And I think that looking back, you know, as a kid, you look at Mr. Hand and you're like, oh, that's a teacher I hate. As an adult, you say, that's the teacher that I wish I had because all he really wanted to do was he just wanted his students to learn American history. I mean, he was, you know, you look back as an adult, he was a good teacher. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, here's Spicoli. What's that? No, no, finish your thought. Go ahead. I'm transfixed. Finish your thought. Yeah, so here's Spicoli. You know, he is uh, – what, what is Spicoli, you know, good at? He's good at being late to class. He's good at tardiness. And Mr. Hand hates people that are tardy. They have this conversation, and he asks Spicoli, why are you always late to my class? And Spicoli says, I don't know. And Mr. Hand says, I don't know. I like that. And he says he's going to put those words on his chalkboard for all – his classes to see, giving Spicoli full credit, of course, to which Spicoli says, well, all right, because he's happy that he's getting full credit for something in school, which he probably had never gotten before. And uh, so what does he teach us here? Well, the question I pose to people when I'm speaking is, you know, how many of you have been asked a question in the workplace and you didn't know the answer? Right. And I think we've, we've all been there, right? I mean, you get asked a question, you don't know the answer. Absolutely. And, and by the, yeah. 
And by the way, if you say never, I know every answer. Well, then in the words of the church lady, isn't that special? But exactly, you know, and you're BSing yourself, right? Yeah, right. No, you're off the mountain. We've all been in that yeah. position where we where we didn't know the answer. We we don't know the answer, and so what does Bacoli teach us here? Well, off, so often, and in the past, we've been taught that the saying "I don't know" is a sign of weakness and vulnerability, which is nonsense. It's mm. actually a sign of strength and confidence and character to admit that you don't know. It's honest and transparent, something that we need a lot more of in this world today, honesty and transparency. Absolutely. And he teaches us that through three simple words, I don't know. Now, you want to caveat it with a let me get back to you, I'll get the answer, uh, you know, et cetera, something to let people know you're not just going to leave it at I don't know. Because as Seinfeld said to Costanza, when Costanza said, you know, hey, Jerry, you know, I think I'm going to tell this girl I love her. I'm going to say I love you. And Seinfeld says, well, okay, are you sure that's about that? Because if you don't get the return I love yeah. you, that's a pretty big masa ball hanging out there. That's, uh, that's very true. Right? Well, that I'm is, saying I don't know so caveating it is a pretty big masa ball hanging out there. So you want to make sure right. that you caveat it with, let me get the answer, but you know, it is okay to say, I don't know. And in fact, it's a sign of strength and confidence. And that's something that Spicoli taught us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you, Chris, um, I know I, my light's blinking and I know where, where the time, um, but I'm, you're fascinating to talk to. Um, do you have a particular, if we're talking film, is there a particular 80s film that you hold above all others, that you just are drawn to and um, you just love more, more than the others? It's so, it's, it's so difficult for me because I, I break them up into genres, and I think that there are so many great movies in the 80s that we don't even talk about. Mm. Uh, we we right. often talk about the ones that everybody, you know, took, of course, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller, uh, 16 Candles, um, uh, we, we talk about if we go to another genre, we talk about Rambo. Talk about you know the Rocky movies. Obviously, besides Rocky One, we talk about the Rocky movies. And there's so many great movies in the '80s. Um, Coming to America, Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Mm. I like to look at the ones that kind of flew under the radar that uh, I think people should and will appreciate if they watch them and that they, they still have, some of them have very good lessons for today. For example, uh, three o'clock high is a great movie from the movies mm. uh, under the radar. It's about a, a bully and a kid trying to get out of the fight the entire day. It's a dark comedy, really fantastic movie, highly recommend it. Um, but one that kind of flew under the radar. Another one is vision quest. Uh, fantastic mm, mm-hmm. sports, movie. sports movie. Oh yeah, and Matthew Modine, right? He's awesome. And then, of course, for anybody out there listening who loved Jake Ryan and Sixteen Candles, um, Michael Sh- Michael Shoffling, he played uh, Matthew Modine's best friend in Vision Quest. So you get to see Jake mm, Ryan mm-hmm. one more time before he disappeared from Hollywood. Uh, so there's movies like that. Um, Hollywood Shuffle is a great. Well, oh, you know, so he funny. actually makes custom woodwork now. He makes custom woodwork now, and he has, makes a very good. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. yeah. There's a great story about him yeah. just kind of leaving Hollywood with his wife and just moving on. 
So interesting. Uh, interesting. Yeah, so, we just had um, yeah. we just had the uh, uh, I can't think of his name right. It's, it's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't I can't. He played Malachi and the Children of the Corn, the redhead kid. And I did not know this until he was on the show and we were talking. Um, he also, he's the guy, you remember after Michael J. Fox's father socks Biff and, and takes away his, his mother, Elaine, into the, the dance, there was this kind of goofy redheaded kid that cuts in and, and Michael J.'s time travel uh, you know, is almost he almost blinks out of existence. Yeah, yeah. That's the guy, yeah. the redheaded kid, is the guy from uh, Children of the Corn. That was his next big role. I'm like, wow, I had no idea. Amazing. Yeah, listen, um, that's great. I mean, yeah, that, that, it's great to go back and look at those movies and see who who jumps out to you as either someone who you know, may have been known for another movie, but shows up in a, in a, in a different one. Um, and you didn't really realize it. So you make the connection, um, people that had small roles that turned into big stars. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot, there's a lot of those, um, you know, uh, so I'll give you another example of one night shift, which is a fantastic oh, yeah. underrated comedy. With Henry Winkler. Michael I Keaton. mean, Michael yeah. Keaton, I mean, that movie <laughs> Should be mentioned as one of the greats in the '80s, but it's not. Uh, no, incredible movie. No. Don't watch it. But you know who has a very oh, small, absolutely. like very small role in that movie, like tiny, tiny role. It's Kevin Costner. Really, I did not know that. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm trying. No, I'm running the program in my head. I'm trying to. I don't know where he's at in it. Um, he he was like God, no, credit was like college guy number three or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's in a bunch yeah. of those. Um, I I watch a lot of music videos and um, you know, and I, I usually if we have people over. Or something. Chris, when the next time when the world settles down, we have people over. You're definitely going to be invited to some of our parties because you're just so interesting and you live down the street. You know, that's cool. Um, the, but I, whenever you come to our house, I usually will put on some eighties videos just as background on the TV, you know, and I'm always amazed. And to this day, I'll still see people and, and I'm like, Hey, wait a second. That's judge Reinhardt in the Pat Benatar video. I didn't know that, you know, you, oh, you look yeah. up IMDb and night. sure enough. Yeah. Shadows of the night. <laughs> I saw that yeah. today. I was like. Like, is that the president from uh, from Independence Day playing a Nazi? What is up with that? Um, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff in those videos you see. <laughs> but I guess yeah, there's, there's, there's a thing you. people needed to work, you know, and so they're like, yeah, I'll be in the video. Yeah, uh, Bill Paxton and Judge Reinhold were both in that video. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, yeah, you know, Damon Wayans was in Beverly Hills Cop before he got started really taking off. I mean, there was just uh, – there's all those – everybody, yeah, everybody had to get a role at some point somewhere, and it's kind of cool to go back and right. see. I'll tell you one guy. You know, people ask me about Cobra Kai, and I love, love, love Cobra mm. Kai for so many reasons. But one is because it actually showed that you don't have to remake an 80s movie, which I absolutely hate when they do that. That you can actually take right. these movies 
and you can you can do sequels with the people today where they are today instead of right. taking an actor or an actress and giving them the, the role that was made for someone else before and can't be replicated in fairness to them. It cannot be replicated. So I was really glad to see. But one of the things that was great about Cobra Kai is that it gave William Zabka another bite at the apple. And I thought he was always a great actor, but he got typecast as a bully in the 80s. He was very good at it. Mm-hmm. But now to see William Zabka getting another bite at the apple, and he's just such a good actor, I'm hoping that this is really going to launch his career for a second time. And I love that about oh, that, I hope these, so too. these shows are doing as well. Oh, yeah. It's it's so cool. Let me ask you this, Chris. This is during the pandemic, during the lockdown and all this and that. Um, I just, you know, I, I couldn't. My wife watches a lot of stuff, and I'm like, I can't handle any Tiger King. I just can't deal with it. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it, <laughs> I'm Tiger Kinged out. So I started watching, um, um, I started going on YouTube a lot and watching all these YouTube videos. And um, there's a whole group of, of kids. Well, you know, some people our age too that um, are doing, they call them reaction videos where they'll watch these old, you know, the, the 80s movies and stuff like that, and, and some current movies as well. And um, they react to them. And they, they have to do it so they don't get dinged for the copyright and whatnot. So it's, it's very quick snippets of them. But it, I find them fascinating because it's like watching, because I've seen all this stuff, you know. I mean, I've, I've seen. Uh, all these, um, although I do want to watch rewatch Night Shift now and, and see Kevin Costner in that. Um, <laughs> I kind of forgot about Night Shift. But they watch these and they react to them. And I, have you watched any of those? I find them fascinating. I ha- I've watched the ones with the music, where they listen to music, but I haven't watched mm. the movies one, so I'm yeah. going to definitely look that up. Yeah, I'll send you a link. There's a, there's a gal, you know, and she was watching Tron and stuff and, and you know, and it's you would think that they'd be like, you know, putting this stuff down and everything uh, because, you know, technology's advanced, you know, I mean, uh, effects are a little better today and whatnot. But some of these movies are pretty good. And uh, and you can't, you're right, though, about some of these remakes. Oh, it's just terrible. It's just terrible, especially when something's kind of a masterpiece, you know. Um, and horror movie people, I'm looking at you when I say that, you know. Um, it was done great first time. You don't have to redo it. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, some of these characters from the 80s are iconic, and they really can't be anybody else, no matter how good the actor or actress is. Right. You know, um, Beverly Hills Cop 4 is in the works, and it's being produced by Netflix, and Axel Foley is Eddie Murphy, as he should be. Um, mm. Had we lived in a different world without Cobra Kai, the success of Cobra Kai and what it's done, and now we have the Top Gun sequel coming out, and, you know, of all of these different movies that are now, you know, coming to America, too, which we can talk about not being a great movie, but a lot of nostalgia. Uh, we're seeing more and more right. of this now because of the, and it's the Cobra Kai effect. I believe the success of Cobra Kai has led these the movie companies to say, rather than recasting these movies and remaking them, why don't we just do sequels? If these actors or actresses are still living and doing their thing, which a lot of them are. I love Kevin Hart. I would imagine that if they were going to remake Beverly Hills Cop, they would have probably cast Kevin Hart in the role of Axel Foley. As much right. as I love Kevin Hart, right. it wouldn't have worked. Axel Foley is Eddie no. Murphy and always will be Eddie Murphy, and I'm so glad to see that it will be in Beverly Hills Cop 4 as well. 
And I will say this, at the risk of getting canceled and called misogynistic, this is a lesson we learned with Ghostbusters, you know? Um, it didn't work, the remake. I, I tried to give it a chance, you know? I, I watched it with an open mind. I didn't have any preconceived notions on that. It just it, it wasn't done well. Uh, it was poor story, you know? Um, I, I don't think it was the acting or any of that. Um, but I think it was just a poor story. Uh, it, you know, you had mentioned hitting a home run every time. I get that you're not going to have a home run. Although when you have millions of dollars on the line, you should try to hedge your bet a little bit. I would think, you know, I would think. Um, but I agree with you. I agree with you. I like I liked Cobra Kai a lot, and I, I really liked uh, how they did that in the timeline. They took us. You know, we went on that journey with Danielson, uh, you know, in the 80s and whatnot, and we continued on the journey. I like that. Instead of just riding the same ride at Disney, you know, it's, it's, it was something new. And, uh, and yeah, they're, they're very, very good. It's that going back to that whole idea of 80s pop culture really still resonates, I believe, because it wasn't manufactured. I mean, they were telling – they. I think the storytelling was better. Now, we're talking about movies. When, when you get into television, television is having a golden age right now. But <laughs> movies themselves, right. it really is. I mean, television is really better than movies right now. The, the television series are better than the movies. And that was not the case right. in the 80s, unless, of course, you're talking about my two favorites, which were Magnum P.I. and Different Strokes. I mean, those might be two of the greatest series uh. of all time. But let's put that aside for a second. And uh, – <laughs> yes, and by the way, speaking of that, they're actually on December 7th, they're doing a live verse, a live episode of Different Strokes and the Facts of Life. It'll be in front of a really? live like the audience. Norman Lear and – yeah, yes. that, that yes. I know they did it with uh, All in the Family and, and everything. That's amazing. I'm doing it a lot. December 7th, an easy day to remember. Now um, – it's, it's almost like it's me, an infamous day. Um yeah, and to me that's not like yeah, exactly. Yeah, and to me that's not a uh, that's not a remake um, necessarily. Mm-mm. It's one episode. It's kind of nostalgic. It's 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 introducing it to maybe a new audience that would go back and watch the original series. And speaking of Kevin Hart, he's playing Arnold, which is going to be great, I think. <laughs> and it's uh, perfect. And I think and and <laughs> and Jamie Foxx is playing Willis. I mean, th- this just has. The makings of something great. So, uh, in any case, going back to the 80s, I think the 80s pop culture, the idea that things weren't manufactured, they were actually created for us, and the people decided what they wanted, and then they made more of it. And remember that Mm. you you had to tell a great story. You had to have great characters with the movies because you had one shot, essentially, and that was the box office. Right. And then if yep. you had a production house, you were lucky. Maybe you got into the video store 12 months later, and then maybe you got onto HBO. But this international box office that they have today and all the ways that the, the marketing behind the movies with all the products, that stuff existed in just – it was a small, small, small percentage of where they made their money. And now I can make a terrible mm. movie, but as long as I have the right marketing behind it, I can make all my money back internationally, and I can sell about the product. So true. It is so true. It is so true. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, when you flip through your favorite streaming site, 
uh, you'll say, hey, I like the movie Pacific Rim. I don't know if I'll like East Indian Ocean Rim, you know, and they, that's why those movies get made, because it's money. It's easy money. And that story's already there. You just change a few things. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Let yeah, me ask you this, Chris. Martin Scorsese, I need you to Martin something. Scorsese, sorry, real quickly. Martin Scorsese said in a New York Times article a few years ago, I was reading that he talked about how the one, he was talking about this very problem that there's not any more risk taking with the movies. Like they found these formulas mm. and they just stay within them. And uh, you know, and he was criticized for that by a number of people who felt differently, of course, that are in Hollywood. But he's he's not wrong. There's a lot of this stuff that's no. formulaic. It's it's a template. And we're not just looking at you, Hallmark Channel, with your Christmas movies. Uh, but, yeah, there's definitely <laughs> all of them. It's not just them. It's all no. of them have a formula. Let me ask you this, Chris, because yeah. you're an 80s expert, um, the, one of the only professional 80s experts I know. Um, me and my friend were having this discussion the other day, my friend Mark, who I'm sure is listening. In your professional opinion, who would win in a fight, the Dukes of Hazzard, General Lee, or the Kit 2000 from Knight Rider. Oh, man. Uh, gosh. I. That's a great question. I think, first of all, it depends on where the fight is. Uh, so if it's, on, if, it's, if it's on some dirt trails, I'm going generally. Um, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Ultimately, though, oh, man, that's a good question. I, I think I'm going to go with the General Lee because all it takes for the kid card to potentially lose is for one of the chips to go out. That's so, very true. You know, that's very true. If a computer chip yeah. goes out on, the kit, on, on kit, he's screwed. Uh, the general would be He's one of done. the cars left if we had like an if we had an EMP attack, you would want the general Lee, not Kit. <laughs> That's very <laughs> the solenoid would be okay. <laughs> I never thought about that. That is very, That's why uh, you know Tom Cruise was looking for that old truck in uh, War of the World. That was a whole other thing. I don't know. I'll still take V any day over the War of the Worlds remake. Um, that's a, that's a great question. I, like I love that question. I love those. I love those kind of questions. I I got asked the other day what would be my on a podcast. What would be my my walkout song if I was an '80s wrestler? <laughs> What's the answer? I gotta know. I gotta know. Uh, my my walkout song would be "I'm Bad" by LL Cool J. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Yes, that's a very, very good one. Oh, man, that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Chris, my life's blinking. You know, folks, once again, we have links up to uh, com and all of his social media from LinkedIn to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of it. He's everywhere. Um, also, get over. I'm going to be posting. I will post a direct link uh, to Amazon for the book. That will be blessed out all my social media, and, uh, you know, I'm telling you guys, it is like a month away Christmas. So, you know, I know we all wait till the last week, and we're spoiled with Amazon, but get the book early. <laughs> you know, don't wait. Just 
Get it out of the way. Put it up in this closet. No one will know. It'll, uh, it'll be the most unique Christmas gift. I'm telling you. Very, very cool. Now, you're working on the third book. Chris, I got to have you back on when it's ready. I'm not trying to tie you down, but any idea when the third might be dropping? Ballpark? Yeah, so the goal is the goal is to have the third one drop in uh, April or May. So I've got to have the, the nice. final draft, or I should say the, the main manuscript to uh, the publisher sometime by the end of January. So that's the goal. Uh, and this one will have 12, actually 11 movies and a musician who loved the color purple, if that gives you any idea. Ah, there you go. There you go. America's glam rocker. I'm telling you, man, people don't give it. Oh, we had just got our house. We had just got our house when uh, when that particular musician passed. And uh, heard it over the radio. I was listening to the disco station here locally, uh, 102.7. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, sat down. Knocked me off my feet. I couldn't believe it. Um, crazy. One of my favorites. One of my favorites. I can't wait till the new book drops. Um, amazing. We're definitely going to have you back on. We'll have you over to the house here sooner than that. Uh, it's the big holiday week. Are you uh, doing – got big plans? Yeah, actually, I don't. I have a uh, my my uh, rescue dog, Bodie, uh, who actually your mm. wife met. Uh, and that was like yeah. kind of the source of the conversation that got us started talking about you. And um, – so yeah, Bodie and I were just planning to have a rotisserie chicken together, and uh, nice. that's probably going to be the extent of it. Although I may I may go to a buddy's house for Thanksgiving, uh, but right now it's I got the two of us hanging out having a rotisserie chicken. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, Publix up the street has great. I get those all the time. Um, my dog loves it when I do, although she's not supposed to eat chicken. Um, but maybe a piece might drop here or there. Uh, hey, before we go though, tell us about because uh, you're involved with with uh, with your dog and, and rescues and, and you're into that, man. Uh, as we are as well. Um, is there a particular rescue group uh, that you support um, currently? Yeah, there's two actually. So thanks for asking. I, I, there's a great lesson from Dead mm-hmm. Poet Society, uh, Robin Williams. Uh, who, who, you know, just, man, we lost him too soon as well, um, plays uh, John Keating, the, the, the teacher, and he says to the boys, um, you know, no matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. And it's true, but words and ideas need to be supported by action. And so for me, it's about animal rescue. I rescued my boy Bodie, who is named after Patrick Swayze's character in Point Break, which is not an 80s movie, but a great movie nonetheless. Uh, um, so, yeah, I support, I, the SPCA, I support the SPCA International as one, one of them. And the reason I support the SPCA International is I met the former director of uh, the organization at a big Salesforce event a few years ago. And mm. they have this great program where they reunite um, soldiers who have been overseas with the dogs that they befriended. So you imagine you're like, you know, oh, wow. out in the desert for a couple of months and you meet a stray dog, but you can't take him home because the military won't let you. Um, they work right. with the military to get those dogs reunited with the soldiers when they come back to the U.S., which is tremendous for both parties, both the dog and, and, and the soldier, because 
you know, there's, there's a bond that's created. So I knew immediately I wanted to be part of that. And then the second organization is Wonder Paul's Rescue, which is in Fort Lauderdale. And that's where I got Bodie. Um, they're a great, great little rescue organization um, that was founded by a, uh, a lady and her husband who own a restaurant down on Las Olas Boulevard. And uh, mm-hmm. they, she always wanted to do that. And a few years ago, she started Wonder Paws, and they're doing fantastic work. That's awesome. That is awesome. You know, the weird thing about it, I was thinking about that, uh, about you and, and Bodie today. I, uh, we, um, I, I have a dog, and or we should have a dog. I, I always joke and say it's my wife's dog, and it would be laughing at me. They're like, that's your dog. Uh, little sharp paint. Then today is her adoption day, the, the, four, the anniversary of it. Uh, four years ago, uh, we brought this uh, aggressive dog that nobody wanted home, and uh, she is uh, she's great. She's great. Changed my life completely, Chris. As you know, I'm sure your dog did as well. I, uh, I, I learned to – when I got this dog, I learned to um, – uh, Watch my thoughts, and my because I would, you know, I'd be online and I'd get worked up about politics or whatever, and you know, it's just not very much fun to be with, you know. Even my wife even met. She's like, man, you need to somebody, you know, you need to chill out a little bit. And uh, when you have a dog, you kind of have to because they go off your vibe, you know. And um, I, I learned to uh, to take a breath, <laughs> take it a little. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. not be so intense. Yeah, they have to because that's, you know, they call that um, that that's your dog's gotcha day. You know, you got them and they right. got you. And, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and uh, it's just, uh, you know, uh, yeah, she's my buddy, man. She is my buddy, and it's so funny because we all have bad days. The other day, I was just having one. I think it was when we were supposed to redo the sh- when we were supposed to originally do this podcast, and uh, yeah, like I said, power went out, and we, we just oh, it was just a comedy of errors. And um, my, my little dog came in, started kissing my hand. <laughs> Calm down, Papa. It's gonna be okay. Nobody's in surgery. It's gonna be okay. And she was uh, so that's cool. That is cool. Well, you know that's awesome. Uh, I hope uh, you enjoy your rotisserie chicken, and everybody out there, I hope uh, everybody has a great Thanksgiving and whatnot as well. Remember, sometimes at family gatherings, it's just better to smile and nod <laughs> than to have a big blowout or anything. That's my advice. That's right. uh, you know. Get the, make sure everybody has a good time. Get through the day. Uh, you know, you don't have to change anybody's mind about anything. Uh, you know, they're totally entitled to be wrong. We get it. Uh, but, you know, they're probably thinking the same thing, hopefully, and letting you be wrong as well. <laughs> Anyhow, this episode, uh, Chris Clues, is going to be uh, converted to a podcast here directly. We're going to push it out on all the various social media platforms. And on all the podcasting platforms, we're on over 450 of those, which blows me away daily. Um, I had no idea there were that many podcasting platforms, but apparently there are. Anyhow, uh, so you can listen to all this. We will we will be off for the holiday, of course. We're going to be back on Saturday. We've got a 
really cool heavy metal thrash band from St. Louis, uh, Missouri on. And next week we've got, is it movie people? I believe we've, uh, no movie and music. It's, it's our normal thing. Uh, but it's a very cool uh, guest as well. You can always see upcoming guests on my website, jamierocks.us or poprocksradio.com. They both get you to the same place. And, uh, you know, we really look forward to seeing you next time. Chris, you got to come back when the third book drops, man. You are so cool. I'm just amazed. Well, thanks, man. I, I can't I, wait to get my book. I absolutely will. What's that? Awesome. I said I can't wait to get my book. I just really appreciate the opportunity to, to be on the show. Um, again, I appreciate all the work that you do on the back end to get it out to everyone and give me a voice uh, as an independent author oh, and speaker yeah. um, to be able to reach people that I wouldn't necessarily be able to reach. So that is very much appreciated. Awesome. Awesome. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. See you then. Stay rad. Stay rad, everybody. Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana Oli, Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio.